0: Figure out where you have opportunities to add more stuff, where you can not add more stuff. And then last but not least, find spots for the most urgent and important items first, then work backwards. And you're probably going to be surprised how much stuff you can actually get done when you're strategic and intentional about it. And you're also going to be surprised how much stuff felt important when it was up in your brain. But once it's on paper and you're looking at it more consciously and objectively, It's not that serious, okay? And you're gonna feel a huge weight lifted once you get everything out of your brain and strategized and written out. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Make Bank. I am Marie and this week is a solo episode inspired by tons of requests both in my Instagram DMs and from my clients and this is a topic that has been honestly so tough for me and that's actually why I feel qualified to speak on it. I'm a huge believer that the best person to learn from on any given thing is the person that's had to work the hardest to achieve it, accomplish it, overcome the odds, so to speak. The worst person to learn from is the person that it comes naturally for and the person who has never had to try. And so as someone who is in the process of an ADHD diagnosis. As someone who is very multi-passionate, as someone who quite honestly struggles with staying focused and staying in any sort of workflow, this is my time to shine. The good news is, is through all of my trial and error and therapy and tools and strategies, I have found a lot of different methods and shifts and tips <laughs> to help me and you and my clients stay focused, be more productive, manage our time better, get more done, work smarter, not harder, all of that good stuff, because that is what I'm all about. And productivity and time management are pretty much like life or death for me and my business for several reasons. And that's why I've had to figure it out. And when I say had to figure it out, I don't want you to be under the impression that I am a flawless like work queen and I never work late or I never have to make up work or I never have seasons of push my business because none of that's true. But on average, I work 20 to 30 hours a week. On average, I'm able to travel whenever I want. And I very much have really good work-life balance overall. (laughs) But why this whole concept has been very much life or death for me, number one, I, like I said, really value my work-life balance. And I've realized over being in the online space for nearly a decade now and having my own business most of that time, I've realized that there will always be more to do, always, always, when you're running a business or if you have like a demanding career. And so because of that, you have to be so intentional about time management and prioritization. And I learned that the hard way with. Multiple bouts of burnout. And my worst bout of burnout was when I was newly full time in my business. I had recently graduated college. I'd moved to LA, which I know is so cliche, (laughs) but I moved to LA and I was creating content full time. I was online fitness coaching and I was working like 12 to 14 hours a day pretty much every day. Like my entire life revolved around creating content, working, coaching, and running my business. That was my whole life. And I was also coming off the back of Bikini competition preps, like back to back, like I was just a hot mess and I crashed and burned so bad. And that experience taught me that I had to have boundaries and I had to have priorities or I literally would not be able to sustain my life or my business. Like my body was shutting down. My health came at the price of my business or my business came at the price of my health. I guess both of those are true. And I realized I had to figure out my work-life balance so that was a huge wake-up call for me and i have always now vowed since then that like my health will never be the thing that is sacrificed for my business it just can't happen another reason that now productivity and time management are so crucial for me is i spend months out of the year collectively on the road traveling to horse shows where i'm working like part-time at best like i am Horse showing all day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm usually pretty brain dead. And then I'm working like half days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so I'm working part time at best when I'm horse showing and I have to manage my business manage my time and my energy in such a way that while I'm gone my clients are taken care of my team is still running things content is still going out like things are still happening and I also have to manage my time and energy around the horse shows so that I am prepping ahead or recovering after the shows and it just has to be this like continuous ebb and flow and management and again I don't want it to sound like I have mastered this and it's flawless every time because I recently did come back from a horse show and I had to pull some longer days to really get back on track after because I struggled with my productivity beforehand. But again, these are the circumstances and the lessons that have made me so aware of what works and what doesn't. And so when I know that I messed up, <laughs> it hits extra hard, but always a good reminder. Always a lesson, right? Never a failure, always a lesson. And the third reason why productivity and time management have been life or death for me are that, like I said, I'm in the process of getting a formal ADHD diagnosis. And so if I'm not consciously managing myself, assuming that the diagnosis is that I do have ADHD, if I'm not consciously managing myself, I can spend like a whole day sitting at my desk, staring at my computer, staring at my phone. And feel like I didn't do anything valuable. Like I can feel like my whole day was just a waste, a wash. Like nothing actually moved the needle. But I was just doing random shit all day long. And my brain was like a pinball machine. And that is so frustrating and so demoralizing. Especially as an achiever. Especially as someone who really loves checking stuff off, like getting things out into the world. I very much take pride in my business and my work output and my work ethic. And so when I feel like I am being hijacked by my own brain, that sucks, right? And so again, I don't want to speak as if I 1000% have ADHD, but me and my therapist are like 99% sure. (laughs) And she just wants me to meet with a psychiatrist for like a formal evaluation to get the formal diagnosis but based on my symptoms based on the things I struggle with we're we're pretty we're pretty confident and because of that I have to consciously manage myself otherwise again like I feel like my brain is just hijacked <laughs> like my my day is fucked if I do not consciously manage myself so the things I'm about to share with you take what feels helpful take what resonates Leave what doesn't. That's totally fine. But I'm going to share with you a big thing, which is my weekly and as needed kind of reset routine, which gets me back on track, focused, hitting my priorities, kind of overcomes that overwhelm and paralysis. And then I'm also going to go into just some general hacks and advice for things that I found really, really helpful in my life. So starting with my weekly slash as needed reset process i have been swearing by this for multiple years i've shared it several times on social media and people always love it my clients have adopted this so i 11 out of 10 recommend giving it a try this is again perfect for like a new week perfect for a new month perfect obviously at the start of the year i like to do it at least weekly either on like a sunday afternoon sunday evening or first thing on monday to really help my brain reset and really feel calm and organized about everything that's ahead. Because I think one of the worst parts of struggling with productivity and struggling with time management is you just get so overwhelmed by everything ahead of you. And so you just start like blindly picking stuff to do and it's not very helpful. Right. So we we need to take this time at the beginning to figure out what we should actually be focusing on, what's actually going to move the needle, what maybe isn't as important. Because if everything's a priority, nothing is a priority. And you go into that space of just like picking anything, like picking something off the top of the pile and, and you're not actually doing the most important work. And you just are in that like blind overwhelm and panic. So again, try this as the reset to your week. You can also do this on a Wednesday. On a Friday, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed or like there's just too much stuff piling up, 10 out of 10 recommend this. I think I said 11 out of 10 before I stand by that. (laughs) And also feel free to do this with pen and paper. I prefer to do pen and paper first and then I'll transfer stuff over to like my Google Calendar or whatever else after. But pen and paper just helps you physically and mentally process stuff on a more intentional level. So get your pen and paper out, and then this is going to be your process. Step one, you're going to brain dump everything that's on your mind, whether it's a big existing project, whether it's a small like, oh, can't forget this task, like brain dump everything, everything for work, everything for personal life. If it's your grandma's birthday, if your dog need, needs new food, if you're running out of your vitamins, <laughs> brain dump Everything. If you need to pay your credit card bill, if you need to ask someone something, and then also brain dump like anything that is work related, like, oh, this project is happening. Oh, this thing is coming up. I need to give this to my team member, whatever it is. Brain dump everything that's swirling around in your head because I've found that such a huge part of our overwhelm comes from that just mental weight and that like tangle of thoughts that we're holding in our head. And once you get it out onto paper, it's no longer your job to hold it in your head. And the more stuff that you're just holding up there, the more cluttered and frantic and frazzled your brain gets. So if it's on paper, you don't need to keep it in your brain anymore. If you have it down, it is safe there, right? So get everything out. Again, it is a brain dump. You do not need to organize your thoughts yet. Like literally just get everything out on paper and get it out of your brain. Untangle it out of your brain. Clear the slate. Once you then brain dump everything out, step two is to then go through your brain dump and categorize these things by importance and urgency. So basically prioritizing everything. I personally like the Eisenhower matrix method for this, which basically is categorizing things by important and not important, and then urgent and not urgent. So you have essentially four categories. You have important and urgent, important, not urgent, not important, but urgent, not important, not urgent. And so categorizing things by that priority is really, really helpful. And that will just help you identify like, okay, this is the stuff that is the most crucial for me to accomplish or move forward on as soon as possible or within a certain time span. And then this is other stuff that maybe is still important, but I don't need to worry about it right now (laughs) because if you make a plan for worrying about it later, you don't have to carry that mental weight right now, right? So categorize these things by priority, Once you have categorized things and you can decide like if you want to color code it, if you want to rank stuff once you've determined where it fits in like that matrix, up to you exactly how that works best for you. I personally like to figure out what are my important and urgent things and then rank those so that I have a really clear order. And usually I rank based on what the consequences of not doing that thing. So if I didn't do this thing maybe someone would be like a little disappointed or inconvenienced but it's not going to be the end of the world versus if I don't do this other thing like there are real consequences and my business will be significantly hurt by it or I will really like not deliver on something I promise to a client or something like that those are obviously more important than things like mm. This person might be a little inconvenienced, but like everything's going to be okay. And especially as the leader of my team, of course, I never want to be the bottleneck and I never want to make my team's life harder. But if I have to make that executive decision and cause a little bit of a domino effect on my ops team or pull in someone on something last minute, that is better than significantly hurting like the business overall or not delivering on client things or things like that. So categorize things by priority. And once you've done that, in whatever way makes the most sense for your brain, which is part of this whole process is just figuring out what works best for you and your brain within all of these parameters. Step three is going to be studying your existing calendar Because it is so easy to get caught up in like, okay, now I have all of this stuff that I need to do and I'm just gonna like start doing it. No, 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 no. (laughs) Hold your horses. Study what is already on your calendar because I personally am notorious for overestimating how much time and bandwidth I have to do stuff and underestimating how long things take. Like I'm pretty confident that's also... Time optimism is like and like judging time is an ADHD thing, too. (laughs) But I also think it's like an achiever thing where you just assume that you can fit more on your plate than you can actually fit. And so study your existing calendar, figure out, okay, what are the commitments I already have? What are the meetings I already have on my calendar? What are the appointments I already have? What are the errands I need to run? What are the social things that I have to do? For me, I always put my personal stuff blocked first, too. So like my time at the barn, which is mostly it, (laughs) when I'm going to ride my horse, when I have my horseback riding lessons, like those are sacred hours in my calendar. Those do not get moved. They do not get fucked with. Like those are always there. So study your existing calendar before you start figuring out where your priorities are going, right? Like if you have client meetings, those are there. If you have appointments, those are there. Study what you already have and also make note of like, okay, where are my big blocks of free time? Where are my big blocks where I can do focused work? What would be the right time to like book in appointments or errands or like closing those little loops with lots of tasks? Like where am I going to have blocks of focused work open and really just kind of make a note of what's going on for your week ahead if we're doing this as like a weekly reset. Okay, hold on. I needed to interrupt this episode quickly because I've realized that it doesn't matter how hard you work or even how, quote unquote, productive you are, how many hours you put in, if you are going hard in the wrong direction, which is why it is so important to be clear and confident about your goals. And that's the exact reason why I've incorporated goal setting into all of my coaching programs. Because if my clients are not clear on their goals, if they don't know where we're going and why we're going there, it doesn't matter what strategies we pull out. It doesn't matter how much planning we do. We have to get clear on what the destination is first. And so I swear by this goal setting visualization, and it is something that previously was only available to my clients. It's a visualization that I lead and I walk you through and now I've made it available for free for everyone. I swear by it. Even if you're not a visualization girly, I have just converted (laughs) so many people into loving a good visualization with this exact exercise. So I'm going to leave a link to it in the episode description, or you can head immediately to mariewold.goals. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D.com slash goals. Again, it is totally free. It will take you 25 minutes. And I've hooked you up with a bonus workbook just to help you reflect and process and really start implementing on all the breakthroughs that you have. So enjoy, let me know how it goes because I know it's gonna be a game changer for you and let's get back to the episode. After you have a firm grasp, firmly grasp it, <laughs> SpongeBob reference. And once you have a firm grasp on what is already scheduled, then you will go ahead and find spots for your most urgent and important items First, then you'll work backwards. So, obviously, start with your highest priority. So, the things that are both urgent and important and ranked number one on that list, where is that going to fit on your calendar? How are you going to accomplish that thing? And then keep knocking out your list from there. And you probably won't get through your entire brain dump. I don't think I've ever gotten through my entire brain dump. And you have to be okay with that. You have to understand that you will never get to the end of your to-do list it is literally a hamster wheel like there is no end there will always be more to do both from a work and business standpoint a personal standpoint just like an adulting standpoint there's always more to do the freaking bushes in front of my house have needed to be trimmed for like six months honestly but there's just always something more important to do they don't look that bad but like they need they need some help and also has been on the list hiring a landscaper but that just hasn't hasn't been important and urgent enough to make its way up the list either right so you have to be okay with some stuff not making it into that week and one principle that i always come back to is the concept of glass versus rubber balls and i'm pretty sure i originally heard about this from Gary Vee who i don't agree with like a lot of things that he says but this has really resonated and stuck with me over the years. He basically made the analogy of like, we're all juggling so many balls in the air, especially entrepreneurs, especially like career driven people, especially people with families. Like there are so many balls in the air for so many of us, but you have to be able to discern which balls are rubber and which balls are glass because the glass balls, you have to keep those things in the air. If you drop a glass ball, shit's going down. Like the glass is shattering. (laughs) Everything is pausing. So you have to like sweep up the glass. Otherwise, everyone's like cutting their feet and stuff. Whatever. Don't take it too literally. But you're you're going to need to keep the glass balls in the air, like non-negotiables. But the rubber balls like you can decide to let those drop and bounce and pick them back up later or drop and like go to just sit on the floor for a minute and they're not going to break and it's going to be okay. Maybe it's not ideal. It's not as impressive, but it's okay to do that, right? And so you have to be okay and you have to understand that not everything can be a priority. Not everything can be a glass ball. You have to be able to have some rubber balls. And that is part of what makes having it all possible (laughs) is knowing where to set your expectations and otherwise if you don't set those expectations if you don't figure out like what is actually not a priority you will constantly dis- be disappointed you will constantly feel guilty you will constantly be overcommitting yourself you will constantly be on the verge or experiencing burnout i cannot stress enough how important it is to have priorities and make peace with the rubber balls okay So that is my weekly reset process. Again, it's brain dumping everything. Then categorizing those things using the Eisenhower matrix is what I like to do, but you need to figure out how to categorize them by priority. Remember Eisenhower matrix basically lists stuff as important and urgent, important, not urgent, not important, urgent, which is usually stuff from like other people that aren't your emergency and not important, not urgent, which are the things are like, mm, it would be nice to if I did that, but like it's not that important, right? It's not like crucial. After you categorize those things, don't book yourself in yet. Study your existing calendar as step three and just study what you have going on. Figure out where you have opportunities to add more stuff, where you can't add more stuff. And then last but not least, find spots for the most urgent and important items first then work backwards. And you're probably going to be surprised how much stuff you can actually get done when you're strategic and intentional about it. And you're also going to be surprised how much stuff felt important when it was up in your brain. But once it's on paper and you're looking at it more consciously and objectively, it's not that serious, okay? And you're going to feel a huge weight lifted once you get everything out of your brain and strategized and written out. Again, 11 out of 10, recommend that process. Give it a try. Let me know how it goes and make it part of your weekly routine. Make it part of like your SOS <laughs> routine. Anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, love a good brain dump. Anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed. And then with that, I just want to throw in some other general hacks, best practices, advice, things that I've found work really well for me. Also work well for like my high achievers. Sometimes ADHD clients, I seem to like attract people that work very similarly to me. And these are some things that have worked really well for us. So, related to the weekly reset, I really like combining a digital and a physical planner in order to keep everything really streamlined and visible. And that kind of combines two hacks like, number one, keeping your priorities and your to dos and your schedule really visible. And then also, By doing it digitally and physically, it really helps you be aware of what you have going on. So let me explain that. When I say keeping my priorities visible, that means that I have reminders and prompts throughout the day that this is what is happening and this is what I need to do. Because again, I'm pretty sure I have ADHD and something that... Affects people with ADHD is very much the out of sight, out of mind. Like if you don't see something, it doesn't exist. So I can very much totally forget that I have a meeting on my calendar. I can totally forget that I started making food. I can totally forget that I have an appointment if it's not something that is visible. If it's not on my Google calendar, it does not exist If I haven't set an alarm or a reminder for it, if it's not my planner, it needs to be visible. And so some of the ways that I like to keep things visible is, like I said, I keep a very up-to-date, thorough, color-coded Google calendar that has different calendars for different things. So I have like a personal calendar, a calls and meetings calendar, an availability calendar. I have a travel calendar Basically, there is a calendar for every part of my life. There's also just like a general work calendar. So when I've figured out when I'm working on certain stuff, it's like a a task-based calendar. There needs to be that visual representation of my day. And then I take that a step further by also transferring that to a paper planner that I keep ideally open on my desk. Because if I even fill it out in the morning and then I don't look at it again (laughs) at all throughout the day. Mm, it's, it's a little of a toss up on whether or not that's actually going to be how my day goes. But if it's super visible, I'm usually pretty good with sticking to it. Some things might take a little longer and I have to be a little bit flexible and that's okay. But by having it visible, I can't get too far off the rails. And another way I would kind of do that, which isn't super recommended is I use the stickies on my computer And, you know, sometimes it gets a little out of hand. I currently have like 20 stickies open and I need to do a little bit of a cleanup. But by having the stickies floating on my screen and I can glance at them throughout the day, I'm not going to forget that I owe this person an email. I'm not going to forget that I still need to give one of my clients feedback. Like the things that are really important to remember, I keep those in my eyesight so that they can be top of mind so that I don't literally forget that they exist, even though I very much want to do them. That's just that's just how my brain works. So if you can relate, work on visibility and keeping things as obvious and in your line of sight as possible. And I totally recommend if you're not already keeping a digital and physical planner, it sounds like overkill, but just try it because the practice of transferring it from digital to physical like every morning is the routine that I'm trying to stick to. Just that practice brings so much more awareness to my day instead of just diving face first into my like task list without any regard for how it all fits together. And like, again, what my priorities are. So give that a try. And then speaking of mornings, I feel like this is a very ADHD episode too because I'm just bouncing from (laughs) one thought to the next. I do have notes for this, believe it or not. But speaking of mornings, I cannot recommend enough practicing having a low dopamine morning and a low dopamine morning is basically a meaning that you are staying off your phone, not watching TV, not being on social media, not playing games, not playing like really stimulating music, like having a chill morning. That doesn't mean that it needs to be like a slow morning, but like a low stimulus Morning primes your brain to be more focused and calm and productive throughout the day. I'm sure you've noticed that the days that you open your eyes and the first thing you do is pick up your phone and like watch TikTok or look at Instagram or check the news or whatever it is, like those are the days that for me and I know a lot of people, I struggle the most with focus and concentration because you are literally priming your brain to be switching Focus and just being like onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, like grabbing on to the next exciting thing every few seconds, right? Especially with the way that social media is now. Like pieces of content are like seven seconds long, like two minutes long. We are priming our brains to only have that long of an attention span if that's the first thing you feed yourself in the morning. So if possible. A low dopamine morning could include not looking at your phone for the first 30 to 60 minutes of the day, except to maybe like start a podcast or put on like a meditation or play some like chill music. If possible, do again your like morning planner, morning journal, your calendar study, go for a little walk, maybe do a little stretching, do your morning routine, and try to do it in a focused, non social media, junk food, like brain diet, basically, morning. And I promise you it makes a huge difference for your focus and your productivity. It's also better, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I've heard different experts say it's like better for your hormones, better for your circadian rhythm. It just is so much better for you, even though if you're in that habit, it's really hard to break. Try it. Thank me later. It's going to change your life. The next thing very much related to attention span and being really intentional with how you are blocking out your day is something called monotasking, also known as time blocking. And this is basically the practice of only focusing on one thing at a time or one type of task at a time instead of bouncing around from thing to thing to thing. And this is going to be the most realistic for people who are entrepreneurs or freelancers or have a lot of like autonomy in their job. If you very much answer to someone else and your day is kind of ran by someone else, this might be harder, but you could still implement in definitely your personal life, your life outside of work. But basically, again, this is focusing on one thing at a time and batching similar tasks together. And so you can do this in small ways, whether that's like Only doing emails for 30 minutes at a time or following the Pomodoro method, which is like doing work sprints of 25 minutes on, five minutes off, repeat that four times, then you get a longer break. Or that could be as big as like what I try to do in my business, which is have themed days So for example, my Thursdays are always focused on coaching calls. And if I don't do anything other than coach my clients that whole day, it was a successful day. I have like no other expectations for myself because I'm only focused on that thing. Whereas Mondays are more like planning and strategic days like CEO days. Tuesdays will be more creation like content or overflow calls and meetings days Wednesdays will be more project like deep work type days again Thursdays are coaching call days and then Fridays are kind of my like catch-all end of week closed loops and I usually only work half days on Fridays so that works out really well so that's how I do that in my business again that might not be applicable to everyone but as much as you can just notice where you're trying to multitask Notice where you're trying to switch tasks, where your brain is like, again, pinballing or ping-ponging back and forth between all these different things because every time you're switching the type of task, which is the technical term is context switching, every time you're context switching, it takes mental energy and you lose efficiency and you lose time. So you literally lose productivity out of your day every time you're switching the type of task that you're doing and every time you pull yourself out of a task. It takes you, I want to say like 15 or 25, a significant amount of time, 15 to 25 like minutes to actually get fully refocused again. So the more you can focus in on a single type of task, the more you can get into like that deep work flow state, the more productive you're going to be. And we really can only focus truly for like five or six hours a day at most based on all the studies they've done on this. And so if you can put in four, five, six hours of good, deep work every day, like you are killing it and then you have the whole rest of your day to do other stuff versus putting in six, seven, eight, nine hours of like meh ping pong work (laughs) where you're bouncing around and not actually completing anything, you're getting less done that way. You might be clocking more hours, but you're getting less done. And there's less time for you to do other stuff. That's like fun, right? So cannot recommend monotasking and time blocking enough. I love, I have a timer cube on my desk that is like a visual timer that you can flip based on how many minutes you want it to be. I love that for blocking time. I can put a link to that in the show notes or the episode notes. If you want to try a Pomodoro timer, just Google that. And that again is like the 25 minute work sprints also highly recommend looking at your calendar and looking at where can I batch my tasks and clump similar types of tasks together. If you're used to multitasking and you're used to bouncing around all over the place, it's going to feel really weird at first, but I promise you it is so much more efficient. And when you do that, well, again, you have so much time for other stuff, which brings me to my next piece of advice, which is have hobbies that are good for your brain have things that allow you to drop into like a meditative, relaxed mental state. So for example, for me, riding horses is extremely meditative. I cannot be on my phone. I need to be fully present in in the moment, whether I'm just like hacking my horse around which basically means like not jumping or anything. We're just kind of hanging out, doing our flat work, doing our homework. When I'm just hacking around with her, like I need to be fully present to what my body's doing. I need to be fully present to what her body is doing, the cues I'm giving her, how she's responding, adjusting. And it is a very like deep, big brain <laughs> experience. And it is extremely meditative where I forget everything else in the world when I'm riding my horse obviously even more so when I'm doing really like demanding things like jumping around and like competing is obviously a whole another thing that's not relaxing <laughs> but when I'm riding everything else disappears and I think that's so good for my brain to only focus on one thing for like an hour at a time for example similarly if you can find something like maybe it is crocheting or art, or a sport, or even reading, like reading a physical book or reading on a Kindle where you're not like flipping tabs over to social media every five minutes. Whatever you can do to be fully immersed in something and not switching over where you're allowed to relax and be fully present, that's like a an active meditation and that's so good for your brain and your attention span. So highly recommend I know I've said highly recommend a million times, but this is literally an episode about advice, so I recommend everything that I'm saying. But truly, having hobbies, having stuff that is low pressure that you do for fun, that is good for your brain and helps with your attention span, makes everything else better. And then the last thing I'm going to leave you with is, again, take from this episode what resonates, leave what doesn't. But overall, one of the best things you can do for yourself is learning your own energy patterns and your creativity patterns and embracing them and not fighting them. Like for the longest time I was when I first was trying to recover from burnout, I knew that I needed to like fix my productivity. I needed to fix my morning routine. I needed to like revamp the way I was living basically my whole lifestyle. And so a lot of the resources I was finding was like. CEO bros who all wake up at like 5 a.m. and have a 37-step biohack morning routine. And when I did that, I would feel like exhausted by the end of my morning routine and have nothing left for like what was actually on my to-do list. And then I'd feel guilty about it. So it was a huge process of me trial and erroring my own energy patterns, my creativity patterns, and figuring out when I work best, when I need more rest, when I can push harder, when I'm mo- most creative, when I will literally have no thoughts in my brain, not even two brain cells to rub together at the end of the day. And I very much work my calendar and my workload and my expe- expectations around those things. And like for the longest time, I really tried to be like a huge morning productivity person and like knock out a bunch of stuff. And what I found is I can do like a morning work sprint that's maybe 60 to 90 minutes, maybe two hours long, but that is the most I can do in the mornings. And I'm actually most productive. My other productivity wave, I should say, is like evening. I'm literally recording this podcast. I started at 830 and I took like the entire beginning of the evening off to read and I made an amazing dinner and I hung out with Andrew for a bit and now he's playing some game with his cousins and I'm recording this podcast and this is like the time that I'm feeling the most excited to record out of my entire day. And I don't make that wrong. I used to make myself feel guilty about like, why can I get this done earlier? But in reality, like this is when I wanted to do it. This is when I'm feeling the most lit up about the thing that I'm talking about. And it doesn't matter if I'm putting in my like five hours of work at 8 a.m., or at 8 p.m. It literally doesn't matter. And also that really works really well for like my horse girl schedule because I'm often riding in the morning, like when most people are starting their workday or I'll take the middle of the day off and I'll have to work in the evening. And so don't make it wrong to honor your own energy and your own creativity. Obviously, if you have to work in, in the constraints of a team or other people that you're not in charge of, that's going to be tougher. But hopefully you have at least some level of autonomy and freedom. I do think that a lot of jobs have gone more that way after the pandemic and like people having to work remote and stuff. So whatever autonomy level you have, make the most of it. Be curious about your patterns. Be curious about what's working, what's not working for you right now. Take the advice from this episode that's resonating leave what doesn't. And of course, let me know what light bulb moments, what ideas you're going to try from this. I would love to hear from you. So send me an Instagram DM, leave a review if you feel so compelled. And I am so excited to hear about your productivity glow up. Until next time, keep making bank.